adjuster. What kind of a place is expectations? inquired Milo, unable to see the humor and feeling very doubtful of the little man's sanity. Good question, good question, he exclaimed. Expectations is the place you must always go to before you get to where you're going. Of course, some people never go beyond expectations, but my job is to hurry them along whether they like it or not. I invite you now to join in singing our opening song this morning. Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? Where do we come from? Where do we come from? Mystery, mystery, life is a riddle. Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Vincent Tyler, and I am very glad you are here this morning, whether you are in the room or joining us on Facebook. Visitors and guests, we hope that you got a blue name tag so that we can welcome you and answer any question you might have. We love talking about why this community is so important to us, and we'd love to, to hear from you what you are looking for. We hope you'll join us after the platform service for cookie and coffee and cookies. 
in the lobby and the social hall. Also, please consider sharing your email with us on the gold sheet found at the welcome table. You can drop that sheet in the collection basket as it passes later in the platform service. I want to remind you to please silence your electronic devices so that you can be fully present this morning. Although we'd love it if you would check in on social media. I now invite Jen Watson and John Pfeiffer to read our statement of purpose so that we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. Jen and John are heads of the AV team, handling the visuals and the sound respectively. And today, Billy wanted to especially honor them for the way they go above and beyond to create a beautiful and beautiful sounding platform experience. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each, other's, each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you. As Jen and John light our community candle, I invite you to all join me in the candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today I am particularly mindful to just comfort and encourage all the ordinary people we meet who fight and struggle with their day-to-day -day problems as we travel through life. Each week we ring Ah, as we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation. I invite you to soften your gaze or close your eyes. Now breathe deeply, breathe deliberately, and with every breath, consciously blow out the stress from your body. As you blow out, feel the stress coming up and leaving your feet and legs. As you breathe, 
feel the stress rise up through your body. Your breath collects the stress from your abdomen and chest as it rises and is blown out, being replaced with non-stressful air. That this, let the stress continue to rise all the way to the top of your neck. Continue breathing deeply and blow out completely all the stress from your body, clearing your head and mind of any stress that remains. Because we cannot know, imagine that the universe is infinite. In an infinite universe, every point in space and time is the center. That means in an infinite universe, each of us is at the center. The universe starts deep within your core and continues outward. Inside of you resides the light of your universe. In the dark, even the smallest light wins, no matter how big the darkness. Light shines its rays without prejudice, without fear or favor, light shines on all equally. Let that positive light within you shine outward, bringing light and warmth to all it touches. Feel yourself illuminating out into the world. When I was a boy each week On Sunday we would go to church And pay attention to the priest He would read the Holy Word And consecrate the Holy Bread And everyone would kneel and bow Today the only difference Everything is holy now. Everything, 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 everything is holy now. When I was in Sunday school, we would learn about the time Moses split the sea in two, and Jesus made the water wine. I remember feeling sad Miracles don't happen still 
now I can't keep track Cause everything's a miracle Everything, 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 everything's a miracle Wine from the water is not so small But an even better magic trick Is that anything is here at all so, so the challenging thing becomes Not to look for miracles But finding where there isn't, isn't one When holy water was rare at best Barely wet my fingertips But now I have to hold my breath like I'm swimming in a sea of it. It used to be a world out there, heaven's second rate hand me down, but I walk it with a reverent air, cause everything is holy now. Everything, everything, everything is holy now. Read a questioning child's face And say it's not a testament That'd be very hard to say See another new morning come And say it's not a sacrament I tell you that it can't be done. This morning outside I stood, saw a little red-winged bird shining like a burning bush, stinging like a scripture bird. It made me want to bow my head. I remember when church let out. How things have changed since then Everything is holy now It used to be a world half there Heaven's second rate hand me down But I walk it with a reverend Cause everything is holy now Everything, everything, everything Everything is holy now. Everything, everything, everything is holy you so much for that music and Bailey's favorite response to music which is silence thank you 
This morning, as we continue and really finish our month-long exploration of the theme of expectation, I wanted to explore a little bit what Buddhism has to say. Now, I am not an expert on Buddhism. Um, I am a sometimes student of it. I actually realized I should have just asked Vincent to do this platform because he is, in fact, an expert on Buddhism. <clears throat> but that's okay. He'll give me tips in between, um, I hope. Um, so, but many of us actually in America feel as though we have some passing engagement with Buddhism. We've perhaps read a little bit. Um, and I do want to note that Buddhism, like Christianity, like Islam, is a, a major world religion and as such has many different versions and many different um, uh, greater raft and the lesser raft, many different ways of understanding and interacting with that um, religion, with that practice. Um, in America, often we associate most closely what we imagine um, Buddhism to be, particularly if we are, like me, not a true student or expert in the or practitioner, we often associate that with um, forms of Zen Buddhism. So I want to just note that it's a much bigger piece than we'll talk about today. Some of you may know the story of Siddhartha, the prince who eventually became the Buddha, and how that happened according to the story that has been passed down. Siddhartha was a um, wealthy and uh, lucky prince, and he lived in luxury in the palace, the story goes. And his family had built around him walls that kept him from seeing any kind of suffering. So they made sure that he never saw a sick person, and he never saw a poor person, that all he saw was beauty and joy and wonder. And the story tells us that at some point, Siddhartha went out in a carriage um, and took a carriage ride around the palace. And on the first day of that carriage ride, he saw someone begging for food. And he said, what is that person doing? What is happening? And he learned about poverty. And then on the second day, he saw someone who was racked with illness, and he asked, what is happening to that person? And he learned about sickness. And on the final day, he saw a funeral procession, and he asked, what are they doing? And he learned about death. And the story tells us that he was so overwhelmed. You can imagine most of us in our lives have suffering come in little bits. But to learn in one day about the existence of suffering, he was so overwhelmed that he left his palace, he left his family, he left his princedom, and, um, and went out seeking a release from suffering, and did so by engaging with different religious practices and traditions, trying to figure out how he could be released from suffering. And what happened eventually, as he sat in meditation, is that he became, as he called it, awake. And his awakeness told him that the release from suffering, the way that we humans can escape the suffering that is part of our nature, our experience in the world, is to let go of attachment. Attachment to desire, attachment to outcome, attachment to expectation. 
So I had my um, most salient opportunity to learn about this Buddhist practice of letting go of attachment to outcome, letting go of attachment to expectations, like many people on Christmas Day. Uh, there I was at my parents' house. We had had Christmas morning in pajamas and things like that and, and, you know, had moved into Christmas afternoon slump. You know how that goes. Everybody's a little bit cranky. You try to get them to read the book that you just got them or play with the toys, but they won't. Um, and we were getting ready to move into Christmas dinner, and, um, and I had packed um, for the journey uh, Christmas clothing for everyone in my family. Um, they probably matched. I don't remember the details, but there was a really lovely Christmas outfit. I was excited for my child to wear, my older child, with whose permission I share this story. Um, was a long time ago. She didn't remember. Uh, so I, sh I had this beautiful outfit for her all ready to go, and she announced to me that she was not planning to wear that outfit for Christmas dinner, to which family friends and guests were coming, um, and she was going to wear her pajamas. And that's great. Um, so, uh, so I went back and forth with her for a while, and I tried not to push, but really I wanted her to wear this Christmas outfit, and it matched her sister's Christmas outfit, and it was going to match my Christmas outfit. And, um, and I tried, and I tried, and I had a moment at some point, I had a, an awareness that this was like an opportunity to practice a non-attachment to outcome to practice setting aside what it was that I wanted to happen and to enter into a space of being okay with whatever outfit she wore that day to Christmas dinner. And when I originally had that really big spiritual realization, I thought to myself, this is great because if I fully set this aside in a deeply uh, in touch with myself way and let it go, then probably I will be repaid by the universe by her wearing the Christmas outfit I picked out for her. <laughs> and then I thought that might not be right. I don't know, I'm checking. It's not right, I think. So that's about where I was. And you know, we have this with so many things in our lives, right? Our attachment to how our bodies should work and should keep working. <laughs> our attachment to how we think people should show up in relationships with us, right? The expectations that we carry about how they should be. In many ways, the beginning of letting go of those attachments is to notice them, to see the ways we are clinging to the Christmas outfit with our clawed hands, bargaining so that it might still be. I want to invite you for a moment to just take a breath and think of that which you want to be. Just notice an expectation or a wish, an outcome to which you are attached.
The problem, of course, with wishing for certain outcomes, with clinging to our expectations for how people will be or what they will wear or how the world will unfold for us is that we are often disappointed. Often things do not work out the way we had hoped. You know, it's, it's interesting. We have a theme get-together where we plan sort of the next few months of platforms and um, in August, um, we gathered with lay members, um, Bailey and I, um, to talk about how we wanted to approach the next few themes. And when we got to October and expectation, we were really thinking about, you know, the first uh, September. What month is it? When we got to September and expectation, the you know, earlier in the month, I explored settling in with loss when our expectations are unmet. And we wanted to talk today about you know, letting go of expectations so that we can reduce our experience of disappointment in the world. And someone in the room said, um, I just wanted to point out, sometimes good things happen. <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, that's true. Sometimes good things happen. She wanted to make sure, as we talked about letting go of expectations, that we remembered that sometimes we let go of them so that we do not encounter such deep disappointment. And sometimes we let go of them so that we might be surprised, joyfully surprised, by what happens next. Alice Walker begins a poem, Expect Nothing. Live frugally on surprise. Expect nothing. Live frugally on surprise. I do not have usually a whole lot of time in my day for surprises. I have it scheduled out. Perhaps you are like that as well. And the only exception are vacations, because usually as we get close to a vacation, I'm getting busier and busier, so I haven't actually had time to think about the vacation until I arrive in the spot, and then I wonder, oh, am I supposed to do something while I'm here? But I wonder if it is, in fact, my wiser unconscious preventing me from doing two vacations, what I do to the rest of my life, planning them out to see this thing and go on this visit and make sure not to miss this museum. By showing up unplanned at a vacation, I find that I may be surprised by joy, that I won't get a reservation at the place that books up two months in advance, but I will find the coffee shop that isn't listed in the tour book that beauty will surprise me along the way.
open our ourselves to expect nothing and be therefore surprised. The Alice Walker poem closes. 